Hey guys, Brian with Cajun Cardboard coming at you from the great state of Louisiana and I have a treat for you and an announcement and a couple of uh, clarifications and a couple of conditions. Uh, I am going to start pushing out a little bit of fantasy basketball content. Actually, it might be a lot of fantasy basketball content. It's a natural progression. I've been doing fantasy basketball for a little over 30 years. Yes, you heard me right. I know a lot of you guys listening are probably not 30 years old. Uh, I am 48 years old. I've been doing fantasy basketball since I was in high school. I remember my first pick in a fantasy basketball draft was Wayman Tisdale. A, you may not know who that is, and B, even if you know who that is, you should understand how long ago that was. I was playing fantasy basketball when we were having to check the box scores in the newspaper. A newspaper is something that would come to your driveway, and it was actual paper with words and pictures and things. And I would look in the box score, and we would have to keep track of our own team's stats. We only did points, rebounds, and assists. That's how old I am. And you would have to put those stats down in the honor system and tabulate your stats for an entire NBA season. Can you imagine how far we've come and how much a part of mainstream society fantasy basketball has become? Uh, anyway, that's my background. I've been in a dynasty uh, fantasy keeper league. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's an eight-category league, true roto. Um, at the end of the season, you know, you get ranked in uh, the eight categories your team does. Uh, start 10, roster 18. It's an eight-category Roto Dynasty League that I've been a part of for 25 years. My first pick was Kevin Garnett in his third year, the first year I was in this draft, okay? Kevin Garnett was in his third year in the NBA on the Minnesota Timberwolves and an absolute stat stuffer. And I took him as my first round pick. That would have been around 98-99, I'm trying to remember. Uh, third or fourth year, maybe. So uh, that's a little bit about my history. Uh, I am by no means Josh Lloyd or one of the foremost experts on fantasy basketball in the world, but I know a lot of you guys like to listen to me scream at the screen, so uh, fantasy basketball ties in extremely well with actual basketball because it, we're just talking basketball and projections and prospecting, and it also ties in great with basketball card collecting. So if you're one of those guys who likes to collect cards, especially if you like to collect ultra-modern cards, even if you don't like fantasy basketball, a lot of these fantasy basketball videos are going to correlate. They're going to uh, translate for you, and hopefully you'll find them a little bit enjoyable. Anyway, today's video is very simple. It's my first one, so I'm super excited about kind of dipping my toes in the water, and uh, it's just going to feature uh, two issues. So first, I'm going to switch you over. I use uh, Monster uh, Basketball Monster um, on, as my fantasy kind of like data tool and how to decide who to draft and whatever. So I'm going to switch you all over to uh, Basketball Monster, which is great software. Y'all should check it out if you haven't. Okay, so here we are. And then let me pull up my notes here, and I'll just start cranking. I've got two breakouts, and then I've got two busts, okay? So two players that I think are primed to absolutely break out, and then I've got two players that I think could turn into busts. My definition of breakouts and busts, and this may not be what most other fantasy analysts use or what other people in the industry use, I'm, this is all new to me, so I'm going to give my own definition. A breakout is a player that I think is going to improve 20 points in the overall rankings uh, from the last season. Okay, so whatever they did in 21-22 and wherever they ranked in the per-game rankings last season, 
I think they're going to improve 20 points. And no, I'm not going to you know, pick people who played four games and had crazy bad stats or crazy good stats. These are going to be legitimate players who had a nice body of work and a sample size last year. I've got two breakouts. I've got two busts. We're going to do the busts first, okay? And so these are people that I think, these are two players that I think are going to drop more than 20 points per game in this upcoming season. Number one is uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and I've got him pulled up here, and we'll look at this while I ramble. It's uh, He was ranked 93rd last year, so this is the other Bogdanovich. This is the one that used to be in Sacramento that Atlanta overpaid for and brought into town. He's a catch and shoot. He's a screen runner. He's a poor man's Clay Thompson. He never met a shot he didn't like. Uh, he ranked 93rd last year, so solid eighth round player, top 100 player, relevant from a fantasy perspective. He gives you threes, obviously, that's kind of his primary contribution. He was negative, as you can see. Anything that you see that's light red or dark red, obviously the darker the red, the worse. He was below average in five categories. We're talking again about eight category true rotisserie fantasy basketball here. I'm not talking about points based. I'm not talking about nine cat roto. Um, so if you guys don't know what that means, go check that out. Eight, the eight categories are quite simply uh, points, rebounds, assists, threes, steals, blocks, field goal percentage, and free throw percentage. But anyway, getting back to Bogdanovich, uh, DeJounte Murray's in town, right? That's the big news over this offseason is like, how does DeJounte Murray fit next to Trey Young, this, that. What it really means is Bogdanovich was a wing, and I know he's a three and DeJounte's a two or a one-two or whatever, but the modern NBA is points, wings, and bigs. That's just what it is. Sometimes teams play three wings. Sometimes they play dual points. Sometimes they play one big. Sometimes they slide a very small big over to the center position, a la Draymond Green or something like that. But DeJounte Murray's in town, and DeJounte Murray is an absolute stat-stuffing phenom freak. Um, who is going to take a lot of minutes from Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich turned 30 last year. I think we've seen the best of him. He's on the downside. He was ranked 93rd, like I said, last year, as you can see on your screen. I wonder if I can highlight. There you go. There he is on your screen, and there's his numbers uh, so that you can see them. Uh, obviously a great contributor in threes and free throw percentage. Doesn't shoot a crazy number of free throws, so it's not like he's going to have that drastic of an effect on improving your free throw percentage. I just don't see any way in hell he stays in the top 100. It's more likely he finishes 150 to me than he finishes in the top 100. Uh, again, I see at least a 20-point drop from Bogdanovich. His usage rate's going to go down um, from just from not last year, but just from the year before, right, from 2021, the 2021 season to last season, his minutes actually went up slightly, but his points went down, his threes went down, his assists went down, his blocks went down, his field goal percentage went down, and his free throw percentage went down. If that's not a bad trend and a pretty indicative sign of what's to come this season with new players in town, with other young players they're trying to develop, such as Jalen Johnson and A.J. Griffin at that wing position, Two much better defenders. Bogdanovich is an absolute turnstile from a, a defensive standpoint. Um, I think his minutes are going to go down. I think his usage is going to go way, way, way down. And the guy's on the downside of his career. I just see a very big drop-off for him. Uh, believe it or not, last year Bogdanovich's usage rate was higher than John Collins. 
Um, he's on the downside. I think it's going to be a quick decline. And by the way, if you haven't heard enough, uh, here's the nail in the coffin. He had offseason knee surgery. He may not even be ready for the start of the season. So that's bust number one. Bogdan Bogdanovich, I would avoid him at all costs. If you're going to take a flyer on him and you need the threes and free throw percentage, which I get it, sometimes you do. And in, in these eight category leagues, you know, maybe in round 14, depending on how deep you're, you know, if it's a 16 team league and you're going 15 deep or something nuts like that, he's relevant, right? But uh, I don't like him anywhere remotely near the eighth round. I would be looking at him more the 10th or 11th round at the absolute best uh, because I just think he's going to get squeezed out, and that's not the direction that the Hawks are going. Uh, number two bust, and I hate to say it because he was a fantasy darling for so long. Uh, out of Ohio State, he was a uh, rotisserie phenom, fantastic, and actually used to be a pretty good defender even though he's a munchkin. Uh, I got Mike Conley as my bust number two. Uh, he was number 76 last year. Let's go pull him up and we'll take a look at him. Uh, here he is, Mike Conley. Uh, he's almost 35 years old. Uh, played uh, 28 minutes a game last year. As you can see, he gives you great threes. Uh, assists have always been there. He's not what he used to be in that category because he can't create space or blow by anybody or create those mismatches. Uh, and he's just too small and frail to really exploit anybody offensively. He does steal the ball. He's always been clever, always been crafty, always had a great nose for the ball. Uh, used to be a phenomenal free throw shooter, 79.6%. Uh, and his field goal percentage is horrific because he's having to take more threes because he can't create he can't finish at the rim and can't create in the mid-range at all. So essentially, he's either taking threes, which are going to be lower percentage shots just naturally for everybody in the NBA, or he's taking bad twos uh, because he can't create the space and can't bully anybody, of course, and never has been able to. So almost 35 years old. He played almost 30 minutes a game last season. You guys know the biggest story of the offseason, even bigger than DeJounte Murray to Atlanta, was the absolute mass exodus of two All-Stars from Utah. So, um, you know, Gobert out, Donovan Mitchell out. And while those guys did not play Mike Conley's position, what that does symbolize is that there's a changing of the guard in Utah, and they are not trying to win. Uh, they are absolutely not trying to win. Utah has two goals this season, and I'm sorry to say this because Adam, the real guy, 27, is not going to like to hear it. But I think the writing's on the wall, and if he looks in the mirror, he's got to admit this, uh, big Jazz fan, Adam. Uh, they have two goals this year. Number one, figure out what the future core is. Is Markinen part of the core? Is, um, you know, is Sexton the answer? Uh, is this Walker Kessler kid the real deal? Is he a Rudy Gobert light? Is he the white Rudy Gobert? I don't know. Let's see what he does. Uh, but that's Utah's goal number one, is figure out which of this amalgamation of random kind of mid-level prospects are keepers? And then number two is lose, 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 and lose uh, to win the Victor Wimbanyama sweepstakes. And I don't think they're the only team that's going to have that goal as one of their goals this season. Uh, Conley does not help them figure out who their core is, and Conley does not help them lose games uh, even though I think he's going to dip. He doesn't really help them lose games. Uh, he is a mentor guy. He's a great locker room guy. He's had a great career. He's a true professional. Uh, but I think a lot of 
of his value comes from mentoring the guys around him, the Sexton, Jared Butler, etc. I think Jared Butler gets a ton more minutes than he got last year. I think he's going to get a lot more minutes than a lot of fantasy analysts and a lot of people project. They uh, ran him out there in the summer league. He shot them all horribly this summer. Uh, but I know this kid very well. Jared Butler is from Louisiana, from uh, down in Reserve, Louisiana. I sat in his living room, actually, and tried to recruit him to play on our Nike EYBL team back when he was a junior in high school. It didn't work. He uh, decided to play with another shoe company team on a different circuit. But class act kid, uh, fantastic parents. Um uh, Great history uh, of being coached. Obviously, uh, most outstanding player in the national championship game. He's got pedigree. He's got awesome basketball instincts, especially offensively. He's built like a truck. He's a man. Um, I think this is the the kind of the changing of the guard where the baton is handed off to Jared Butler. I understand that Conley is the projected starter in Utah. I just don't think it works out long term, and I think at some point Jared Butler takes his position. Um, and I would not be surprised if Mike Conley gets traded. Uh, a lot of what you're going to see is, I think if you don't see Butler at the one and Sexton at the two, you're going to see Sexton at the one and uh, Jordan Clarkson at the two. And if that's not a shoot first backcourt, I don't know what is. Uh, Sexton is going to have the greenest green light in the entire NBA. In the entire NBA. Uh, his usage rate is going to be preposterous. I don't know if he's going to shoot 15% from the field because he's going to shoot so many shots, but... Boy, let me tell you, Sexton is going to put up FGAs. Um, so, and then you've got a, just kind of a, like a cluster of guys at that wing position with Taylor Horton Tucker and Akil Alexander-Walker, you know, Jordan Clarkson. All those guys are going to kind of strip minutes away from Mike Conley because they're trying to figure out what the deal is going forward. And one thing we know is Mike Conley at age 35 is not the deal going forward. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was on his way out. Mike Conley's usage rate has been on the decline. It was way down already from 2021. It's going to go way down again this year. Um, you know, he, he dropped 18 points in the overall fantasy rankings from 2021 to 2022. So I see a lot of the same stuff uh, coming this year, if not a more precipitous drop than the 18 points he dropped last year. I would not be surprised if Mike Conley drops out of the top 100. And for that reason, he is my bust number two. All right, let's talk about the good stuff, right? I always like to say stay positive in the hobby or stay positive, right? So we're talking about fantasy basketball. And hopefully some of you card collectors are going to enjoy this content as well. Um, if you're a prospector, if you're looking for cards that are on the uptick or cards that you might need to move, all of this applies, right? Basketball is basketball. And so whether you're playing fantasy basketball or whether you're prospecting on ultra modern or modern stuff, or maybe not even even modern Mike Conley uh, and Bogdanovich, you're always wanting to know what's going to happen next. And I'm not the be-all, end-all. I'm just giving you my thoughts from watching billions of hours of basketball and uh, and especially pouring into the fantasy basketball realm for the last two and a half decades. So my two breakouts. Breakout number one, guess what? He's also on the Utah Jazz. And no, I'm not going to pick the most obvious, which is Colin Sexton. I didn't pick him because obviously he missed a ton of time last year, so I didn't think that would be fair. And like I told you guys, I'm taking guys that actually played last year and had a body of work and a sample size. I'm actually picking a guy that finished behind Mike Conley and Bogdanovich in the rankings last year. Uh, I am picking number 98 ranked Lori Markkinen. Uh, so everybody remembers the experiment in Cleveland last year, 21 feet of meat. 
Uh, that sounded horrible. Uh, 21 feet in their front court, right? Marketing at the three, seven, almost seven footer. Mobley at the four, seven footer, or almost seven footer. Jared Allen at the five, definitely seven footer. Seven feet, seven feet, seven feet. Uh, it worked because they had a genius point guard, uh, Darius Garland, and uh, really nothing at the two, although they did try to fill that void with uh, Karis LeVert coming over midseason. But, um, yeah, Markkanen has been released from that three position. He is going to be a clear-cut, perfect fit at the four, and I think he might be even better fit as the small ball five just because of the way he plays uh, with his ability to pick and pop. He's got a good basketball IQ. He's a lot tougher than he looks despite his you know pretty paltry rebound numbers. He only uh, re averaged 5.6 boards last year. But like I've said in prior videos, I mean, how many rebounds are going to be there to be had if A, you're seven feet tall and you're having to guard people on the wings? So how many defensive rebounds are you really going to get just with that? And then when you've got Mobley and Jared Allen to suck up every rebound, there's just not enough boards to go get. And so I'm not going to fault Laurie Markkinen for his 5.6 rebounds last year. I think those are going to jump to close to 10 rebounds a game. I know that sounds nuts, but he played uh, you know, 30 minutes a game last year in Cleveland. I see no reason he won't play 34, 35 minutes this year in Utah. He's going to have the second, maybe third highest usage rate behind Sexton and Clarkson because we know those guys are going to shoot the basketball every time they touch it or maybe pass to each other. <laughs> but... I think Laurie Markkinen's usage rate is going to go through the roof. I think his percentages are actually going to get better despite the fact that he plays more and takes more shots because he was being asked to do something last year, which was just unrealistic. Asking not the fleetest of feet, Laurie Markkinen, to guard the three position in the NBA is just absolutely preposterous. Uh, again, it worked out. And that's great for Cleveland. But it didn't put Markkinen really in a position to succeed defensively. Uh, he couldn't block shots. He couldn't rebound. I mean, he's seven feet tall. And it's not like he's Giannis, right, or uh, Victor Wimbanyama or uh, Scotty Barnes. He's not moving like these guys, right? That's not his deal, and that's not why he has value. Uh, he doesn't really assist, steal, or block. But the kid shoots 87% from the free throw. Well, I say kid. He's 20. He's still 25, guys. Remember that. He shoots 87% from the free throw line. I think he's going to shoot twice as many free throws this season as last season because he's going to be the probably the second scorer, maybe the third scorer behind Clarkson and Sexton this year on the Jazz. He's their only legitimate offensive threat as a big man. Uh, and that's a fact. I, I guess the other Bogdanovich is going to get dealt as well. That's my guess because he doesn't really move the needle forward as far as the Utah Jazz future. And he doesn't help him accomplish one of those two goals we talked about, which is tank for Wimbanyama or figure out what the hell we're going to do with this core in the future. Um, one thing I'll say, and another reason I really like Markkinen is he's flying high as far as confidence goes. He was obviously the main man for his team in Eurobasket. He, listen to this, he averaged, and I know it's a small sample size, and I know it's not in the NBA, but Eurobasket's no joke, right? I mean, right behind the NBA, this is a group of players out there that can play in the best from all those countries in Europe. He averaged 28 and 8 on 50, 40, 90 shooting, and he only played 28 minutes a game. 28 and 8 on 50, 40, 90. He's coming in hot. He's coming in confident. He knows he's the man in the front court for Utah. And I think he's going to have a massive, massive, massive season. I look for him to jump legitimately 20, maybe 30 points in the standings. I know that's crazy. He's a borderline round 8, 9 ranked guy based on the way he finished last year. 
I think you can look at him as high as the fifth round. I love the fact that my big man's going to give me 87, 85, 80, you know, 85 to 88% from the free throw line. That's always a plus. Again, he didn't block shots, steal, or rebound like a big man last year, but I really think a lot of that has to do with what they were asking him to do and the fact that he was on the court with two other seven-footers. Um, if you'll recall, when he came out in the draft, and I think he was 2017, I might be wrong, but I think he was 2017, um, I remember all of the scouts and the GM saying, this is the best shooter in the draft, bar none, period. End of story. And if I recall, that draft included Jason Tatum. That draft included Donovan Mitchell. Uh, that draft included the best shooter I've ever seen, Markel Fultz. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but they did say Lloyd Markkinen was the best shooter coming out of that draft, bar none, based on the workouts. So uh, we'll see. He'll have the second highest usage rate. you got to remember who's in the front court there. It's Markkinen, Udoka. Jared Vanderbilt, who's just a floor-slapping guy. Uh, Yudoka's just a giant stiff guy that plays defense and has no offensive ability. He's just a big monster bruiser. And then Walker Kessler, who is, at this point, only a rim-running defensive big. So if you're going to get any points whatsoever out of the front court, they've got to come from marketing. And for that reason, I think he's going to stay on the floor because, uh, you know, again, they want to keep fans engaged. Utah's an incredible fan base. They're not going to go into crazy full tank mode because they do have a few pieces, but I got to believe this team's not going to be great. Um, I don't know if they're going to go so crazy tank mode that if marketing tweaks his ankle, he's out four weeks. That would be my biggest concern, you know, is that a one-week ankle tweak would be three weeks or something like that. That's kind of what the teams have done lately when they're chasing these, uh, you know, monster uber alpha draft picks like Victor Wimbanyama is going to be this upcoming season. Uh, and then, by the way, if you don't know who that is, just go Google it. You don't even need to spell it right. Just type in Victor W and he'll come up. He's just this freak of nature. He looks like, uh, you know, Durant and uh, Giannis had a baby and, uh, you know, Steph Curry was in a threesome with him because the kid can shoot the ball too. So it's just freaky what the Victor Wimbanyama kid can do. He needs to eat some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but I think if he puts on the weight, Victor Wimbanyama's a can't miss. So everybody's tanking for that guy. For those of you who aren't keeping up with that or haven't looked that far ahead, uh, that's going to dictate a lot of what these teams do and how they play, and it's going to affect fantasy basketball this year. It really is. Uh, and so uh, that's it. That's my uh, that's my breakout number one. Breakout number two is a no-brainer, and y'all are going to be pissed because I picked somebody so obvious, but I can't stress just how big of a jump I think this guy's going to take. Uh, and you guys know I'm a big Scotty Barnes fan. Uh, I'm not crazy high on uh, Mobley, uh, but I am a huge fan of Cade Cunningham. And no, I don't own any of his cards. No, I don't own any marketing cards. No, I don't any Conley or Bogdanovich cards. So this has nothing to do with basketball cards. For those of you who know my channel and like to watch me, I always be transparent with you guys. I don't own any Cade Cunningham. His price point, in my opinion, was just too high when he came out the gate. And there's too many ultra modern cards out there for me to mess with it. But Cade Cunningham finished number 48 last year on the overall ranking. Yes, 48. So he's a top four-round guy last year. I can't stress to you guys how bad the beginning of the season was for Cade Cunningham. I'm going to say it was right around a third of a season. It was off the charts atrocious to the point where people were questioning what the hell the Pistons were thinking. He shot the ball so poorly, I remember scouring the box score 
to see just how bad his FGAs, you know, and field goals and field goal attempts were from day to day. And I think he also missed the first, uh, it was a good cluster of games. He missed with an injury at the beginning of the season. He just came out ice cold. It was a horrific start to the season. Obviously, the Pistons were horrific. It's a dumpster fire. Uh, it looks like they've got some hope now. They had a monster draft. But despite the first half that he had, he finished 48th in the rankings last year. He was ahead of Jalen Brown. He was ahead of DeAndre Ayton. He was ahead of Kyle Lowry, as you can see on your screen. Um, I mean, look at these numbers. He only kills you, and he does kill you, in one category, and it's field goal percentage. And if there's one thing we know about these alpha, uh, high usage rate, ball handling, you know, kind of combo, big, strong combo guards, uh, they take big jumps in their field goal percentage in the second season in the NBA, in their sophomore season. We've seen it before with numerous other players of similar ilk. And so I suspect that 41% will, even if it jumps to 44% or something like that, you're fine, right? That's not going to sink your team. Uh, like 41.6 jumps off the page, but I think you're going to be okay. And the reason I have, uh, you know, I have hope that that will increase is because I know Kay Cunningham can shoot because bad shooters don't shoot 85% from the free throw line their rookie year. It's quite simple. Uh, and his shoot shot mechanics are absolutely fantastic. I mean, if you watch the kid shoot, you know, he's got a great foundation, great base. You know, his release is beautiful. He's got everything about his shot is just gorgeous. And uh, and he proved he could shoot because he shot the free throws. That's usually a pretty good indicator that if somebody can shoot 85% in the NBA their rookie year, they're going to figure it out from the field. That's more about creating space and getting clean looks rather than it is not being able to shoot a basketball. So, uh, like I said, he finished 48 last year. I expect him to jump easily 20 points. I'd be shocked if he doesn't jump somewhere near uh, the top 25 to 30. I'd really be shocked. His use Usage rate's going to go up. He played uh, 32.6 minutes last year. I suspect that will jump to 35-36. That's my guess. At some point last year, it just clicked, and the game slowed down, and it looked like he'd been a point guard in the NBA for five years. He was playing that that not quite to this extent. Don't run with this. Calm down. I'm about to say something that's going to sound crazy. He sort of looked like he was managing the game, again, on a horrible team, the way that Doncic did, picking and choosing when to get his shots up, picking and choosing how to get teammates open, just sort of unlocking the matrix and taking that little step forward. I shouldn't say little. It was a big step. The difference between his first and second half was extreme. But I saw some of that game management Doncic type bully ball, big, strong. I mean, he's a monster, y'all. He's like 6'6", 215. He's a freaking monster at the point position. Not Doncic monster, but monster nonetheless. Uh, he was by far the best rookie in the second half of the season. I don't care what anybody says. He was so bad in the first half that his second half, he got back into the rookie of the year race. I don't think anybody would have batted an eye if he had won the rookie of the year. I think Mobley's team was so damn good, and he was such a big part of that team success that I think Mobley kind of finished second, and then, you know, Barnes' team was better than people thought they were going to be, and he obviously he had a great year uh, start to finish. Uh, but Cade was clearly the best of those three guys in the second half of the season. Giddy and Franz Wagner kind of fell off. Those guys were no slouch either. Uh, the only below free throw, the only below category is going to be his field goal percentage. But that's what that's what Alpha combo guards improve in year two. He's going to play 35 minutes. I see. Here, get this. This is what I see from him in his second year at age 21. 20 points a game, six rebounds a game, seven assists, one block, one steal on 45 and 85 and easily 
two threes a game, maybe 2.5 threes a game. Think about that. 26-7, one and one on 45-85 splits with 2.5 threes a game. That puts you in pretty elite company, especially for a 21-year-old. If you haven't seen my video that I did with Coach Pixley on my top 30 under 30, that is a good reason and a big reason why I think Kate Cunningham is a very special player moving forward. I believe he has more upside than Barnes and Mobley uh, just because he's one of those guys that's got the ball in his hands all the time, and that's what the NBA is about now is those gigantic combo guards that can play like Westbrook, Harden, Doncic, LeBron, big, strong guards who can have the ball for a very long time and they're durable and they can finish games. Uh, his usage was 27 as a rookie, which is really high, obviously, but I can see 28, 29, 30 easily. Uh, certainly, his usage is going to go way up despite the fact that Jaden Ivey comes in. You know, the big question mark similar to the Trey Young DeJounte Murray is. I thought Jaden I was a point guard. Uh, a lot of people are talking about Cade running the one, Jaden at the two, even though the size disparity there. Uh, I'm really high on Jaden Ivey too, so it'll be interesting if Jaden Ivey supplements Cade Cunningham's production or hinders Cade Cunningham's production because he's got the ball in his hands more. So um, I easily see a balanced uh, eight category, top 25 potential, more likely top 30, and at unbelievable value late in round three that's what i see with Cade cunningham so there you have it that's it guys uh i don't have anything else for you um we've got bogdan bogdanovich and mike conley as my busts we've got lowry marketing i, I say lowry because i think that's how they pronounce it in finland lowry marketing and i've got uh Cade cunningham as my two breakouts so let me know what you guys think let me know if you like the fantasy stuff uh, well, whether you like it or not, I'm going to start doing more of this because, as I say, every one of these videos I do is about education and entertaining. Hopefully, it's entertaining because you guys love the NBA and you don't mind listening to me and my accent. And uh, hopefully, it's educational for you because it sure as hell is for me because I'm just diving through data trying to get ready for my fantasy draft. I mean, we're less than a month away. I've never been this excited for an NBA season. This is the first season I recall where there's legitimately – legitimately 10 or 12 teams that I think could push this thing. And that's without any of the any more trades that we know are coming down the pipe, right? Whether it be midseason next year or before we start this season. Players are going to move. Things are going to happen. You know, you've got a, a glut of teams in the East. You've got the Warriors in the West. You've got, you know, uh, uh, allegedly healthy Lakers in the West. I don't know. There's just there's so much going on. The East is a dogfight. And there's young teams coming up in the East, right? The Bucks are not really an old team. I mean, Giannis is prime. Uh, Embiid is right there towards the end of his prime, but prime nonetheless. You know, Maxie's coming along. Harden, you've got the Nets. If they keep their guys, you know, out of prison and actually on the basketball court, who knows what they can do? The freaking Celtics added Brogdon for a bag of chips, which pissed me off. Uh, the Heat are no joke. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch this shake out. And, uh, and fantasy basketball is a big part of my life. You're going to see a lot more of that content coming up in the very, very near future. Hopefully you guys like it. I'd love to entertain your comments. Just keep them clean and classy, as you guys always do. I have the best viewers on YouTube. You guys are always thoughtful and always classy and first class. I don't want you to agree with me if you don't agree. I just want you to keep it clean and keep it polite so we can leave the comments up and I don't have to delete them. And so Miss Cajun doesn't read them and get upset that somebody's making fun of her husband uh, in too bad of a manner. So anyway, I appreciate you guys watching. Keep collecting. Stay positive in the hobby. And peace.